Hello and welcome to the Art of Will Building podcast, episode number eight. Today's topic is how to create plants. This includes talking about whether you should do it at all, how to classify them, and what uses we can put them to. This material and more is discussed in chapter six of Creating Life, volume one in the Art of Will Building book series. Do you want practical advice on how to build better worlds faster and have more fun doing it? The Art of Will Building book series, website, blog, and podcast will make your worlds beat the competition. This is your host, Randy Ellefson, and I have 30 years of world building advice, tips, and tricks to share. Follow along now at artofworldbuilding.com. The first question we should ask ourselves is whether or not we should create plants. One great thing about creating plants is that it's much easier to do this than something like a species or a god. Even countries and governments and all of that other stuff about creating a place is significantly more involved than creating a plant. Even though it's so easy to create plants, this is one of the most optional things in world building because if your planet is anything at all like Earth, people are not even going to question it if you refer to trees and other plants uh, just by their common names like an oak or a lily or whatever else we have here on Earth. No one's really expecting you to create new plant life. So creating plants is one of the easiest things to do, but it's also one of the most optional. Still, should you do it? Let's take a look at this. If you're writing science fiction that takes place on a world that's very far removed from Earth, then it's definitely going to have plants that are different from the ones we have here. Even so, people are used to it being essentially an Earth-like planet. While this means that we can get away with not creating plants, maybe it makes more sense if we have at least a handful that are different. The primary reason for this is to make that planet seem like it is not Earth. It's much too easy to just, you know, act like it's Earth, but we're calling it a different name, and there's no real difference. So by changing the plant life or just adding a few new ones, we can help create that impression of somewhere different. While this is also true in fantasy, science fiction has the option of having the story have something to do with the Earth, as in characters from Earth have gone to another world. That world is not going to seem different if we literally don't have something different about it. Of course, there are other ways to make that world different, such as the number of moons or the number of planets in the solar system or even things about that planet itself. But of course, one of those would be the plants. This is not to say that we really want to be focusing too much on these plants because, let's face it, nobody thinks that plants are really interesting except for people who are into horticultural, for example. We're going to have a story that is about something else, and maybe the plants are just scenery, or maybe one or two of them actually impact the story in some way, so we don't really need to go crazy with this. You've probably heard the expression that a little bit goes a long way, and this is true of plants in world building. Now, if you're thinking that the plants need to be wildly different from those on Earth, they really don't need to be. We're still going to have your basic trees and flowers and bushes, for example. What we're probably going to want to do is change some of the properties of the ones here on Earth to make them look different, or seem different, and this is known as using an analog, which was discussed in, I believe, podcast episode number two. By just changing some details, we can save ourselves a lot of the work that might have otherwise happened if we tried to create that plant from scratch, so it's really a good idea to take something like a maple tree and then alter a few details. Before doing an analog, the first thing you really want to do is do some basic research on what that plant is like, because you might try to invent one that's based on it and is a little bit different, but the thing that you've changed is actually something that does happen on Earth, and maybe you just didn't know that. For example, let's say you've never seen anything but a red apple, and so you invent the yellow apple, not realizing that we actually have those here on Earth. While that color change is still acceptable, you may have it in your head that you've done something new that's different from Earth when you actually haven't. So do a little bit of research first. 
One of the best reasons to create something new is that we might need something here on Earth that has additional properties that it doesn't really have. Maybe we want a plant that can be turned into a narcotic that works differently than anything that's known on Earth. Maybe we want the plant to have healing properties. What if there's a basic ailment that we all suffer from here on Earth, and that in modern times we use something like surgery to fix that problem, but in the world that you're writing, they can't do that, so instead they use this plant to solve the same problem, such as taking a... You know, here we have antibiotics. Maybe there they don't have the actual antibiotic, which is created by chemistry, but instead they have a plant that basically does the same thing. Having a goal like this is a great reason to create a plant. To help create the feel of something different, plants will help, but they should not be relied upon exclusively. You know, it might help to have, let's say, three or four plants, uh, a few different animals, a different number of moons in the sky, and use this as part of a bigger picture of differentiation. We should then choose wisely if we are only inventing a few plants. Try to think of ones that can be referenced often, such as a medicine, or maybe there's a kind of wood that is especially good for making bows and arrows, for example. If we also make these plants somewhat rare, then it's more worth it for us to mention it in the context of our story. On the other hand, if the plant is an everyday occurrence, then our characters are not going to notice it, and therefore there's less reason for us to mention it. So make sure that your plants count. In film and television, it's relatively easy to have a number of plants in the background and not make any mention of them. We just need to give them a different appearance and we're good to go. This is also true in gaming. But if the audience is going to be reading our work, then we might want to keep the mention of plants to a minimum. Otherwise, we can overwhelm them with too many details and make it seem like it's really important when it's not. And I have a good example of this. I have a story called The Epic of Ronin, which is available for sale, and in this story there's a moment where the character Ronin is being pelted with vegetables of different kinds. When I originally wrote the scene, I named a half dozen different vegetables that I had created. Well, some of my beta readers, when they read this scene, they said it was just distracting because they had no idea what any of these vegetables were. So, in reviewing what they said, I thought, okay, well, it's not that important, so I'm just going to remove that, and I replaced them all with the word vegetables. Now, obviously, the word vegetables is not terribly uh, clear. It's not giving you a vivid picture, but it, it kept the reader from being distracted by something that wasn't that important. Another option was to explain each one of those vegetables, but it really wasn't the time. You know, obviously, if someone's being hit with a bunch of food, this is an action scene, so no one wants to stop and read about this. You have to pay attention to whether it's worth it in any of the scenes that you're doing. This is one reason to avoid overdoing it. We also might need to really carefully look for an opportunity to use something and explain it in just a few words, and I have another example of that. In another story of mine called The Garden of Taria, the main character and another character are having a number of conversations that are very important to the plot, and these conversations are taking place during a meal that they're having. This allowed me the opportunity to briefly mention some of the food that they were eating, and all of the plants and animals were not of Earth. They're all imaginary ones. However, they were all based on Earth. In fact, when I was thinking of what they would be eating, I basically decided, okay, they're having, you know, pork and vegetables and rice, but I didn't just call them that. You know, I had to use the different uh, versions that I had created. For example, there's an animal called Tosk, which is basically the same as what, you know, results in pork. So, when the character is cutting into the food, I, you know, I was basically picturing what happens when you cut into pork. You know, the, any liquids that were running were clear, unlike a steak where it's going to be running red a little bit. This allowed me to give just a little bit of detail that made the scene a little bit more vivid and also created the sense of somewhere else. 
In that same story, there's a scene where the main character comes home to find that another character has made a mess in her home with various foods. And I'm going to go ahead and read the sentence from this story because I want to give you an idea for how you can carefully drop words here and there throughout a sentence to give across the idea of a food without just launching into uh, an explanation. As I read this sentence, listen for the moments when I emphasize those words. She saw a line of yellow drops leading from kitchen to couch, discarded June appeals here and there along the way, the perpetrator licking the running juices from dirty fingers as he popped another fruit into his mouth. The alternative to doing that was writing a shorter sentence that reads like this. He ate a yellow citrus fruit called Juna. Either one of these is perfectly acceptable, but one of them is a little bit more to the point, and then the other one is a little bit more vivid and gets across the same point without having to just uh, go ahead and explain something. Let's take a quick break here and talk about where you can get more useful world-building resources. Artofworldbuilding.com has most of what you need. This includes links to more podcasts like this one. You can also find more information on all three volumes of the Art of World Building series. Much of the content of those books is available on the website for free. And the thing that you might find the most useful is that by signing up for the newsletter, you can download the free templates that are included with each volume of the Art of World Building series, whether you have bought the books or not. All you need to do is join the newsletter. You can do this by going to artofworldbuilding.com newsletter. Sign up today and you will get your free templates and you will never miss an update about what is happening in the great world of world building. When creating a plant, we need to know what climate it is found in. That said, unless our world is made entirely of ice, we can probably assume that every climate exists somewhere on the surface, which means that we don't have to figure out what region of the world it actually is found in. We can just decide on its climate and then later when we're working on our world map or our continent map and we we choose a climate for our region that will determine if that plant is there or not. However, if we already have some idea, this can help us name the plant if we want it to be associated with a given region. This is not to say that it won't be found in other places, but sometimes a plant gets a name from one place even though it's found in others. Let's talk about classifying plants. This might not be the most glamorous subject, but by doing this, we can be a little bit more organized and make sure that we don't create 10 of one thing and nothing of another. More importantly, we might think of ideas for one of these categories. That may only happen once we are aware of them. So let's go. First up are the plants without seeds. This includes algae, liverworts, mosses, and ferns, with only mosses being something we are likely to use in our stories, because few people think algae or ferns are very interesting, and uh, hardly anyone knows what a liverwort is, and even if you do, it's not terribly interesting. As for algae, if we have a sea-dwelling creature or species, then we might be able to do something more useful with this. For example, maybe there's a type of algae that is especially deadly, but maybe not to that sea creature, but to you know humans or other uh, land-dwelling species. And this underwater species could tip their, you know, they could use like poison. They could put it on their arrows or their the rocks that they fire from slings. Poison algae doesn't sound very fascinating, but once you turn it into a weapon like this, it becomes something more useful. It's also believable and different. Of course, we could have the algae be something that does affect the sea-dwelling species. This could be a positive or a negative. Maybe it is poisonous to them, but maybe it is something that heals wounds. We can research real algae and decide what circumstances might cause this other type of algae to grow. We could also decide that wizards use this algae in their spells. 
In science fiction, we can decide that this algae has medical properties that have been harvested. Of course, algae grows in the water, so that's where we're going to find this. By contrast, moss does not grow in the water so much as near the water. This means it will be found on land. Moss tends to grow on things like rocks and trees or maybe discarded items. Moss has a tendency to be green, and in the cases where it's covering a lot of rocks, it can make the landscape look like it's covered in this soft green vegetation. So if we are looking for a reason to have a different color, like purple or red, we can decide that there's a kind of moss that grows that way, and therefore it gives this otherworldly appearance to the ground. So let's say we've decided that it's red and that this is poisonous. We could have a famous idea that if you see the ground has run red, that this means it's going to result in your death. And of course, some people will think of blood, but what they could be referring to is actually this kind of moss, that if you find yourself walking through it, you're going to die. With some creativity and poetic license, we can do this kind of thing. The other kind of plants we want to talk about are those with seeds, and this includes cycads, conifers, and flowering plants. If you're wondering what a cycad is, so was I the first time I heard the word. Those in tropical and subtropical climates are the ones who are probably already familiar with this. A picture really is worth a thousand words, so I would look this up if you can. It's spelled C-Y-C-A-D. To me, it looks kind of like a short palm tree where the fruit is not hanging down from the bottom but growing on the top. On Earth, these tend to live a long time, such as a thousand years, but of course in our fictional world we can decide to change this. The fruit that grows on the top, well, it's easy to imagine any kind of predator wanting to go up there and consume them. And of course, we can give that fruit any properties that we desire. As for conifers, you've heard the names of a lot of these trees, such as pines, cedars, douglas firs, junipers, redwoods, and spruces. Most of these trees are shaped like a cone, and the reason for this is so that the snow falls off more easily. And I've saved the best kind for last, the flowering plants. These are the vast majority of uh, plants that you think of when someone says the word plants. Look out your window, and this is what you will see. As a result, this is most of what you are probably going to want to invent. This includes flowers, shrubs, and vines, but also trees like the maple, elm, aspen, birch, and oak. The deciduous trees are the ones that lose all of their leaves at the same time in the autumn. Now, some of you might think that the evergreens never lose their leaves, but they are actually losing their leaves continuously all year, such that they always have leaves. So what does all this classification get us, world builders? A better understanding of what to invent, and that is mostly going to be mosses and conifers and flowering plants. We may have a little bit of use for algae and cycads. So let's talk about how to subscribe to this podcast. A podcast is a free, downloadable audio show that enables you to learn while you're on the go. To subscribe to my podcast for free, you'll need an app to listen to the show from. For iPhone, iPad, and iPad listeners, grab your phone or device and go to the iTunes store and search for The Art of World Building. This will help you to download the free podcast app, which is produced by Apple, and then subscribe to the show from within that app. Every time I produce a new episode, you'll get it downloaded right onto your iDevice. For Android listeners, you can download the Stitcher Radio app, which is free, and search for The Art of World Building. This only needs to be done once, and at that point, you will never miss an episode. Let's talk more about the way we can use our plant. You could almost say that there are two types of uses, how we are going to use it and how our characters are going to use it. These often overlap. I touched upon this earlier, but one of our uses as an author is to have a plant that has an additional property that an Earth equivalent does not have. 
This could just be wishful thinking on our part, and what I mean is that maybe there's a plant that we, we wish would do something that it does not do. We may have no reason for this other than thinking it's a good idea, and that's fine. On the other hand, we could be doing it for a story need. This is especially easy in fantasy when we don't have modern medicine, but we wish the characters were able to uh, achieve the same result. We can do that with magic, or we can have the gods intervene, or we can just have a plant that achieves the same result. We can do the same thing in science fiction, it's just that the doctors will be extracting whatever properties from a different plant than the ones that we have here on Earth. Medicinal uses are one of the best reasons to invent something. Milk of the Poppy from Game of Thrones is a good example because this is something that comes up repeatedly where it's used to treat characters. And, you know, characters get wounded in science fiction and fantasy far more than probably any other genre. Making up a plant that has medicinal properties for this is a great idea because we're going to have reasons to mention this. And we can also do like George R.R. R. Martin did and have a character decide to refuse the treatment because that character is just so tough. Or it might not be that the character is so tough, but maybe this uh, maybe this drug causes a hallucinatory side effect and this person doesn't want to be unable to have their wits about them. On that note, when we are inventing something that has a good property, maybe we also have it have a negative side effect like that. We should also play around with how addictive this substance really is. This is a great use for a plant because we can have characters who are known to be addicted to it, and maybe they are fighting their addiction, or maybe they've lost, uh, you know, control to that addiction. Maybe such a character who has gotten wounded many times has ended up addicted to it, or they keep refusing it because they don't want that side effect to happen. We can name friends, family, or others who have had this side effect happen to them, and now they're opposed to this. We can even decide that it's a thing in this society that there are people who abstain from that. So now we're starting to create culture that originated from a plant we created. One of the things we can do in fantasy in particular is give some of these plants supernatural properties. This might mean that this plant, or at least part of it, can be used in spellcasting or to make more powerful potions, for example. Such a plant might be considered dangerous, so we have a choice to make. Do we want that plant to grow somewhere where it's very hard to reach, or it's just rare, the conditions that uh, lead to this plant? Or do we want to have that plant everywhere? Imagine what would happen if this plant was something that everyone had easy access to, and it was dangerous. Maybe the plant grows somewhere that is heavily guarded as a result. We could have one kingdom that has that plant within its territory, and another kingdom that has none of it and wishes it did, and this could be the reason for a war. So now we're also creating history as a result of this plant. Do you still think plants are boring? Some uses for plants are indeed less interesting, such as decoration. Plants are often used for symbolism. This is true whether it's a dangerous plant or one that is associated with peace. We could decide that there's a plant that's known as an aphrodisiac, and maybe women wear that plant in their hair at certain times of the year, such as a festival when people are trying to meet their life partner. Once again, we're creating some culture from this. We should also consider that not all parts of a plant are special. We could decide that it's just the seed, the stems, or the flower part itself. Decide which parts of your invented plant make it special. Another basic use for plants is as food. I would suggest making a list of vegetables that your characters may want to consume. Just look in your refrigerator for ideas. Then do a little bit of research on each of them. You might be surprised what you learn and what kinds of foods are actually made out of each thing because we don't necessarily eat vegetables raw. We can boil them, fry them, and whatever else. And as I mentioned earlier, we can also have our characters throw them at each other. 
If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review the show at artofwillbuilding.com slash review. Reviews really are critical to encouraging more people to listen to a show they haven't heard of before. And it can also help the show rank better, allowing more people to discover it. Again, that URL is artofwillbuilding.com slash review. Finally, let's do a quick look at how to get started with creating plants. I highly recommend getting started with an analog. No matter what you are intending to invent, there is probably something pretty similar here on Earth. You just need to remember the rule of three. Make at least three important changes. This means not something superficial like just the color. That said, I do believe that changing the color is one of your basic options. It can be hard to think of other things to change about a plant. After all, plants are only so complicated. One way to get started is to create a list of products that might result from plants. This gives us a goal. Maybe we want a poison or an antidote. Maybe we want a medicine to treat a specific problem. There could be weapons that cause certain types of wounds, and we only want this type of plant, or medication made from it, to heal those wounds. We might want a flower that is used during certain kinds of celebrations. Maybe we want an aphrodisiac. Maybe we want a plant that gives someone temporary special powers. We might also want a plant that grows in an out-of-the-way location and is very valuable for some reason, such as its supernatural properties, and therefore our characters have to go there and get it, despite the great risks of doing so. As far as we know, such a plant may not exist on Earth, and therefore we have to invent one. Another approach is to create a list of plants that are here on Earth. In this case, we're talking about something specific, such as a rose, a nightshade, or a lily, or maybe we're talking trees like the weeping willow, or a pine, or a maple. And then there are, of course, the vegetables, like a tomato, a potato, and corn. Do a little bit of research on these and decide if there's any property of them that you would like to remove or add to make something unique and how you can use it. Because, let's face it, if you don't have a use for it, there's no reason to create that plant. All of the show's music is actually courtesy of yours truly, as I'm also a musician. The theme song is the title track for my Some Things Are Better Left Unsaid album. But now we're closing out with The Thrill of It All from Now Weaponized. You can hear more at randyellefson.com. Check out artofworldbuilding.com for free templates to help with your worldbuilding. And please rate and review the show on iTunes. Thanks for listening.